In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast. Exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. What's up, sluts? Woohoo! It is the first What's, What's up, up, sluts, sluts of, of 2021. 2021. Absolutely. I'm very excited about it. Um, and yeah, we're here and we're queer. And, <laughs> You're used uh, to it. Exactly. Uh, into it. If I may. Yes. Welcome, everybody, to the IndieCast After Dark. Hi. Uh, it's just Luna and myself. Uh, the fully gimmicked aspect of the indie cast and the wrestling. Sorry, I said you were just gonna say the fully gimmicked ass being the me. fully gimmicked like, ass, well, yeah. Luna Lynn, and me, pretty great, Zach Romero. Uh, and so Chad is out of town, and although we are absolutely fuckloaded with guests, uh, starting off the year, uh, just us, it's just us for this episode, and so we are bringing back a time honored podcast within a podcast. The Indie Cast After Dark proudly presents Fuck You, It's a Good Movie. Uh, yay. Fan, I'll edit in fanfare. Thank you. Um, so, Luna and I have each picked a film that uh, was released to theaters, had a legit release, the full nine yards, uh, but didn't necessarily perform super, super well. Not bombs necessarily, but just didn't necessarily live up to their potential. And don't quite have the uh, underground following that one would hope. Previous TED Talks from Luna have included uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Hudson Hawk was another one, I think. I don't remember if it was me or Chad who defended that one. Hope it was Chad. Chad. Hope it was Chad. Um, And so, yeah. So, anyway, so we're here to to make a case for these movies that are somewhat unloved by the general public and uh, and fight for their defense. So, Luna is going to start things off here. This one was yours. I am. Okay. So my film is from 2011. Mm. And it is called Drive Angry. Okay. The alternate release title is Drive Angry 3D because it was filmed in 3D. I forgot about that. Holy shit. And that feels super appropriate for the amount of sleazy cheese that this movie is. And so, like, we've already got a winner because this motherfucker stars Nicolas Cage. And when I say stars Nicolas Cage, I mean stars Nicolas Cage. Like, so it's, oh. here's the, the, the I'm going to jump in already. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about this mm-hmm. is that it falls somewhat in, like, the Nicolas Cage, like, doldrums, I would say. Because Absolutely. you have, like, late 80s, early 90s Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Which is like, boom, he's on, you know, Con Air and yeah. Raising Arizona. Like, they were just everything. He was in everything and everybody loved him. Face Off, all that. Yeah. Then he, like, fell off and just started, like, he needs money and he's taking any kind of well, script. When I was and... doing some research, I actually read an article about this because Drive Angry was produced by the same company who had done a couple of movies that he was in that didn't do great. And so, oh. like, they referred to them as, like, paycheck movie paycheck projects okay so like it was kind of clear that like the oversaturation was giving them diminished returns so that's so wonderfully interesting that you mentioned paycheck movies because Mm -hmm. mine falls into a similar category but into doldrums but now we're in a resurgence 
because now it's all come full circle bitch, again. Feel, like, bitch has been front and center since day one. Right, like, yes. You've been... One. Yes. Love yes. this man. Everybody's like, oh, he's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, he's he became he like, became a big punchline, you. you know, when it was um, not the bees and things like that, you know, the, the Wicker Man remake and all that stuff. He became yeah. kind of a punchline. And now between the Netflix swearing show mm. and uh, the movie the, Mom and Dad. Five Nights at Freddy's. And the Five yeah. Nights at Freddy's uh, ripoff movie. Now people are coming back around like, oh, he's got like hot dad vibes now. Yeah, he does. So we've come back. We're, we're in another uh, heyday of, of Nick a Cage. A renaissance of Cage. But this was during the time, 2011, Nicolas Cage is not necessarily the draw he used to be. Yeah, we were not hitting the renaissance period. Um this movie's so fucking good. So, so give us a little bit of an explanation. What's the plot of Drive Angry? Okay, so um, it's sort of a explosive supernatural film. Okay. Because Nicolas Cage is in hell. He's died and he has gone to hell. And they explain in the context of the movie that in hell, you're not really, like, physically... The idea of punishment isn't like somebody stabbing you up the asshole with a cactus. It's that you get to watch every bad thing that happens to your family and friends and anybody that you love that's still alive. Which, granted, would be fucking torture. Yeah, that's bad. So what happens is Nick Cage is in hell and he's watching. His daughter gets involved in this weird cult thing. And the cult leader kills his daughter and her husband. And they're going to sacrifice the grandbaby. Who's like this little tiny toddler baby. Nicholas Cage's grandbaby. Yes, Nicholas Cage's grandbaby. So Nick Cage decides, fuck this, I have to break out of hell. He steals this gun called the God Killer. Now, I don't remember. Yeah. Do we get a context of who Nicolas Cage was in his life? I don't think so. It's, I, it's been I a feel like he's like a getaway it. driver I don't think so. or something like that. He had some kind of skill well, set. Well, the thing is, it's a, it's a distant sequel to Gone in 60 Seconds. Could be. Could be. Which is also one of my favorite fucking movies. I'm not that. even a car person. I didn't know that. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. That's like, uh, if I remember correctly, isn't that like prime introduction of Angelina Jolie yes. in that movie. I, I, I distinctly remember that in, like, prepubescent boy brain that, like... I remember Nick Cage in the cars. The yes. Shelby. Mm, delicious. And I'm not even, like, a car chick no. by any means, except for, like, you know, a couple, but, like, I fucking love that movie. But, yeah, I feel, I imagine that, like, the tie-in to the cars that are used in the film and his driving skills come, come from... from... That's our contact. <laughs> exactly. There's Gone in 60 Seconds, question mark, question mark. Drive Angry. Drive Angry, Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I, I appreciate that about a movie of like, oh, if you want character exposition, go watch another movie that we didn't do. It's basically just that. It's basically just that. Um, nice. So he has to break out of hell, which he does. Gets um, a gun, the god killer. He gets the god killer gun, and he is going to go fuck up this cult leader guy and save the grandbaby. Which, so, as a side, mm-hmm. something I appreciate, mm-hmm. we don't see any of that, by the way. No, I think we see him getting the gun and just leaving, but that's I it. remember like, there being how. a scene of him just like, driving through yeah. a portal or something like that in this hot car. Yeah. And like that was and like the what she just explained is just sort of explained as it's you go along. Like, yeah. well he did this and whatever, it doesn't matter. It's like inferred I like happened. that though. Yeah. I, I appreciate that of like we came up I, I wish the spawn movie had done that. Where instead right. of like showing the terrible CG hell, they were just like, he's in hell, you know what hell is. You get that point, yeah. So then he joins forces with a waitress and that's how he gets the first, like, the big oh, fancy right. yeah, muscle yeah, car. Yeah. Um, and then they go on, like, the wacky adventure to save the baby and kill the cult leader guy and yada yada. So uh, the one of the other best parts, which I'm going to blow through this to get the, like, initial plot story, and then I yes. have some other facts. So then uh, once they realize that 
Nick Cage has escaped, they send, um, this IMDb refers to it as a Satan sends his merciless henchman, but it's the fucking accountant. Yeah, he's not a which is henchman. How dare you? Character in all of film. Um, and he's the man who like makes sure he's the who's who's the actor? Uh, William Fitchner. Yes. Yeah, so if you if that name doesn't jump out at you, think back to The Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan, the bank teller who had like the mob ties that the Joker puts the grenade in his mouth. That's that actor. And he's phenomenal in this movie. Oh, he's so good. I was trying to see if there was anything else. Um, he's he's a guy that you see his face and you go, oh yeah, he's been in a million things. Yeah, you go, it's that guy. But that's where I always picture him from The Dark Knight. this is his quintessential Oh, he's role. so good like, in this. He's so good in this. Um, very deadpan delivery of very ridiculous things. Yes. And um, he's like unkillable. He's literally like a spawn of hell. Exactly. Like he's, he's supernatural as well. Um, and then we get Tom Atkins as a cop later on, like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. police chief or whoever, because they're all trying to stop this wild shit that's going on. Right. So just like impeccable. So the the mouse trap here is exactly. So you've got Nicholas Cage and the waitress, yeah, who are going after this cult, cult leader, leader who baby. is the dad from Twilight in a southern accent, and yeah. he is phenomenal too. He's a yeah. great villain. Because that's the thing, like everybody's like, "Oh man, like we're thirsty after the fact for Charlie." Like, no, no, <laughs> we're thirsty now for Drive Angry. Yes. Like, oh, he's so. So mean. he's a great ridiculous Southern Baptist cultist. Oh. So Nicholas Cage and waitress are chasing him cross country. Yes. While at the same time, Being every cop yeah. in America, led by Tom Atkins, <laughs> is chasing them, as well as the accountant who's working on behalf of the devil. Yeah. That's our big mm-hmm. setup. That's our Rue Goldberg machine exactly. of action. And it's so good. Um, So, it was directed and co-written by Patrick Lucia? Lucia? I have no okay. clue how to pronounce his name. I've only read it. Um, but he did some editing work with Wes Craven, which is kind of his claim to fame. Um, okay. And he also did My Bloody Valentine 3D. So clearly this guy had a bonus oh, for 3D. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, he's not. He's, it's not like he's a crazy person that had a big resurgence. You know, it was a thing. there were Saw sequels that were in 3D. There were um, Final Destination sequels that were in 3D. Exactly. 3D had a big stupid resurgence in the So 2010s. he had kind of like dabbled in horror shit previously. And then, like I said, he directed and co-wrote this as well. Um now, one of those things that I don't necessarily... Clearly, I don't think this is a bad movie, but it's just not generally regarded at all. Right. Like, Yeah, it's kind of forgotten. It had gotten kind of mixed reviews. It didn't do great in the box office, and it just sort of got swept under the rug with all the other weird shit that came out right. in 2011. Yeah, 2011 was not like a renaissance moment for film. It was right. just sort of like, ah, well, it's movies. And one of the, like, oh, facts was that it... <laughs> its box office performance made it the lowest grossing opening and this is how it was worded in the uh, article I found the lowest grossing opening of a 3D film that was released in at least 2000 theaters so like it's not counting like limited releases or like the hipster films that are only released in like major cities cuz like it has to be in over a certain amount of like theaters okay but like lowest grossing 3D movie release and I was like oh no my poor boy <laughs> but also it, you know it's a, it's ahead of its time, which yeah. we're definitely going to get to. Um, and so one of my favorite things was the review from Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sometimes. Okay. Uh, he gave it a two out of four. Okay. And he were which this I was like I would have put this on the box. Like, right. This is the best sales line for this movie that you could have ever asked for, and it came from fucking Roger Ebert just being big mad. And it says, the film is an exercise in deliberate vulgarity, gross excess, and the pornography of violence, not to forget garden variety pornography, you get your money's worth. 
That was, and you do. You get more than you bargained for. Like, oh, this movie is so good. And he's like poo-pooing it of how this is crass. Like, this is fucking A plus grade A grindhouse fucking yes. B-movie bullshit. Exploitation. Yeah. Yes, this is absolutely a modern exploitation film, and I don't think anybody really got that. No, because it wasn't made by Rob Zombie, so people did, or did, it wasn't part of Grindhouse with Tarantino. Exactly. Like, because Tarantino didn't produce right, it. Right, like, so it just kind of was like, this is a weird movie, and that was it. And yeah. not like, oh, this is an exploitation and film. And at the time, especially with the like, okay, we're sick of Nicolas Cage now, like, just all of those sort of factors combined, it just sort of fell into obscurity, and it's like, this movie deserves so much better so the only thing and the only 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 issue with the movie which is not an issue with the movie it's an issue with 2020 is that the waitress that he teams up with is amber heard and it's one of her like first big roles yes this is a movie that made me fall in love with amber heard because holy shit but she turned into mecha cuntzilla and is an absolute garbage heap of a person so I'm taking her with a grain of salt because, right. like, I know that she went on to be, like, just the fucking worst. So, like, oh, she's in it. But, like, the movie itself is really good. So let's go into yeah. a little bit of detail as to, like, what are the redeeming qualities of this film? Because you've done a really great job of giving us the bare bones of, like, yes. the, the story. And Roger and E were taking a big shit on it. Yes. So, and Amber Heard's in it. Yikes. Yes. So what are some elements that are going to hook people into wanting to see this movie? Other than, like, Nicolas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Right. Um, so you get the good cars, because she's got the muscle car from her ex, and then that's what they, like, end up boo-booing in. Um, we get some A-plus dialogue. Very quotable things. Yes. Um, one of my favorite lines that I use all the time, um, the accountant is still looking for, like, he's trailing them, trying to, like, track them down. And so he stops at the diner, which I, it's been a hot minute since I watched it. I'm pretty sure it's the diner that she had worked at. Yeah, it is. Because he's um, following their footsteps. Exactly. So he he starts there and it's going on. And um, he's talking to, I guess either the manager or the chef. Yeah, cook, he's, the, he's the, the owner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, like, walks up to him and he's in a suit and he's very, like, stoic. And he just walks up to this guy and he's like, fat fuck. And the chef is like, I'm sorry, what the fuck did you just say to me? Because I said, fat fuck. And he says, threatens him something about so it would be a dead fat fuck. There's a lot of really great, because like I said, the, the accountant is super deadpan. Yes. And so... There's a lot of very good moments like that in the movie. Of, like, him uh, saying ridiculous things. Well, because there's the moment movie. when the cult member gets, like, his leg obliterated by a gun. Oh, and the accountant comes in and goes, and just goes, oh, that is fucked. Like, it's, there is a lot of really great lines that he just delivers. And he's yeah. a super good actor, so it, it helps. But, like, oh, just... If he was in any other movie, he would be everyone's favorite fucking character. Right. Like, he's a very, very good. But, like, what about when Nicolas Cage and the waitress go to, like, the sleazy hotel to, ha to like, calm down? And then we get a scene of Nicolas Cage. Oh, we were going to get there. Okay, yeah. go, yeah. That's okay. Because, like I said, the, the timeline is sort of jumbled. Because it's just, like, the best of the best. It's just, right, like, yeah. throwing out in my head. But that's absolutely one of the best scenes. It's a cross-country where... journey. They're exactly. trying to chase this cult. We got a lot going on. So there's pit stops along yeah. the way. And so one of the pit stops is, yeah, exactly, the... I forget who's coming after him at that point. If it's the other cult members or something, but whatever. So it, bottom line is it's a scene where Nick Cage is shooting bad guys. He is shooting bad guys while drinking a bottle of Jack. He is shooting bad guys while drinking a bottle of Jack. I'm pretty sure he has a cigar and wears sunglasses. big, big fuck you cigar. Yeah. Like a cartoonishly large cigar. And the cherry on top, you know, in the hole in the house that Jack built, 
is that he is actively fucking a woman. Yes. Actively having sex with a woman. Yeah. Sunglasses. Big stogie. Yeah. Fucking bottle of whiskey. Just and just blasting guys. It's amazing. It's an absolute power move. Like, well, and here's the thing. Like, um, uh, there was uh, shoot him up with Clive Owen. Yes. Big, goofy, ridiculous action movie. Um, that like kind of people like. Is the same person? Is he the same person as Jason Statham? Like they could be. They could play brothers. Okay, my mind like melds like things. Um, so in my head, they're the same person. But there are scenes like that in Shoot 'Em Up, and everyone right. was like, "Oh, it's so ridiculous! This is great." Yeah, this tops that in my opinion. Just oh, so blast, great. blast, blast, banging a woman. Yeah, amazing. And again, like peak grindhouse oh just so ridiculous like as soon as you see it you're like what am i looking at it's so ridiculous it's bananas and she's just like what he's like don't worry about it tom atkins as the like chief of police like chasing him down most over the top fucking accent foghorn leghorn style (laughs) southern accent on him (laughs) telling him to aim for their tars it's so good and i love tom atkins and as soon like if you were on the fence on whether or not this was like a modern day exploitation grindhousey kind of movie the fact that tom atkins in the movie be like oh so it is then okay that's fine yeah and then um not to like spoil the ending or anything um i think that he make he makes reference to it earlier but oh no that's the driving point is that he's going to drink a beer out of the cult leader's skull that's his motivation as a character yeah and he's successful in that and it's a delight um and then he and the accountant like drive off back to hell or whatever um But it's act. The action's yeah. really great. Some yeah, of the gore of the effects shooting, are very su- are very surprisingly fun. Exactly. Um, yes, it's three D. It's very hokey three D. But um, everything was at the time. Very quotable. Right? Yeah. Lot of fun characters, and a really good modern exploitation film that yeah. I think just people didn't get the memo on. And the cult leader is so great as like a weird like modern villain. Because it's easy to get sucked into things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, when people are vulnerable and they're susceptible and they're easily manipulated and... Right. No, now in, yeah. in Year of Our Lord 2021, little, little too it, takes, it takes a whole different yeah. viewing now of seeing him and being like, yeah, no, people get swept up in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, kind of a Jim Jones, Charles Manson-y kind of gimmick. Very Manson-y, um, yeah, and very good. Like, it's an excellent performance on that yeah. end. And so, yeah, you've got... Your cult leader who's... Oh, and, like, he uses... Oh, my God. He uses the daughter's femur as, like, a cane or Yeah, like, his, like, You're pimp like, cane is made out of bastard. her femur bone. Yeah, like... Um, cool. But it's, like, he's slick and charismatic. You've got the accountant who's, like, stoic and just, like, the Terminator, basically. So You've got Tom Atkins as, basically, John Candy mm-hmm. in uh, Blues Brothers. <laughs> and then you've got <laughs> Nicolas Cage in the middle just holding it all together and just being just kind of... Mandy-esque, not quite as drug-related, but sort of that weird sort of the action is crazy and Nicolas Cage is, is almost a cartoon character. Yeah. Um, just really, really fun. That's the main thing. It's a very fun experience to watch. Great movie to laugh at with your friends. Because exactly. it's so over the top. Uh, and just like I said, a modern exploitation film that I think a lot of people missed the mark on because they were expecting it to be like a serious kind of... I don't know, Jason Bourne kind of actiony sort of where this is all taking place in the real world sort of a thing where it super wasn't and had no intention of being that. I would say, uh, okay, here's a question. Yeah, yes. What would be a film you would uh, double feature this with? 
Because um, my brain immediately goes, well, I already mentioned God in 60 seconds. And I'm like, that's not the same kind of movie. That would be I fun, mean, though. It would work because it's, you know, kind of a prequel. Movie, but very different, like. I would do like Gone in sixty seconds and Ocean's Eleven because they're like heisty, heisty movies. movies. Yeah. Um, Can I give you my answer? That's probably gonna be like, get the fuck out of here. What? Am I gonna be the Tin Man in that porno? Maybe. Okay. I think this is this is cut from a similar cloth to original Dust Till Dawn. It's an action movie that ends With up whoopsie daisy. It's elements. actually a supernatural okay. film. Okay. Yeah, I like that. It checks all those boxes. Yeah, so very very similar kind of vibes. Yeah. To like, oh, it's just like a run and gun sort of action chase movie. Oh, wait a minute. It actually involves the devil. Yeah, oops, supernatural. Yeah, right. okay. I like that. I will accept that. Mm-hmm. I, would, uh, I would watch that. Any closing picture. thoughts on, on Drive Angry? Uh, it's fucking good. It, very good. Yeah. It, like you said, it's really enjoyable. It's very fun. Um, and that's the thing, like, it doesn't take itself seriously, so you no. can't take it seriously. No. Um. And again, I think people missed the memo on that. Exactly. And I, I'm hoping that now that Nick Cage is making this big renaissance comeback, that people kind of give it a second glance. I mean, the Amber Heard thing is problematic. It's tough, yeah. But the rest of the movie is so good and so worth it that it's like, okay, fuck her though, but like, mm, I just, I want people to appreciate this because it's really good and for what it is. And right. I think that a lot of people missed the... The point? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who do get it and appreciate it, and then there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, this is really excessive and over the top. Like, that's the whole fucking point. Yeah. Like, that was everything that exploitation was. Like, right. it's Like, it's supposed to be dialed up to fucking 11, and this is at, like, a 13. Like, right, because when exploitation was starting out, it was not like, how are we going to make fine art? It was, no. okay, well, we've got a limited amount of time, a limited amount of budget, so our only other option is let's make this as crazy as it can be mm-hmm. so that no one leaves going like, oh, I've seen all that before. Exactly. Or it was like, um, I think it was on one of the exploitation compilations we've watched, but it's like the, they're going to put something on film that you have never seen before. Right. And it, this is pretty much it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's wild, but uh, it's such a good time. Excellent. So let's take a quick commercial break. Hello, everybody. Zach Romero here, along with my lovely bride, Why, hello. Luna Lynn. Uh, and we are uh, co-owners of the merchandise brand, Fully Gimmicked. As if you didn't know already. <laughs> right. And so, uh, if you haven't checked out FullyGimmicked.com recently, you should. Because we've been dropping a lot of awesome shit. We do have some pretty awesome shit. Uh, we just released a new Brain Buster staff tee. We also released some stuff for The Cheese. Because right. he is the cheese. Uh, a, a hot, melty commodity. Hot, melty commodity. Um, we've got some flags, which is new. Those yes. are very exciting. New for 2021, we've done big-ass flags, mm-hmm. and they are awesome. Yes, I, we got ourselves a Punk Pro one, because of course we yeah, did. Well, yeah, first um, and foremost. And to like vet the quality and everything, and yeah. the print came out really nice. They're really cool, and we're very excited about what more we can do with that. Uh, we have some new tees up for Pride of Wrestling. This is very exciting. Our um, first tea with uh, Culture Inc. Yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, and also, in addition to various uh, other shows on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network created by Jesse from Team Hammerfest, we have the No Sell the Dwell uh, Satitude Era tea. Make sure you're visiting fullygimmick.com. Support local independent wrestlers. Support us. Support these shows. Please. And buy our shit. Yeah. Okay, back to the show. really cool. All right, we're back. So now it is my turn at the plate here. Can I tell you just real quick? Yeah, uh, of sidebar, I love that we record a podcast. Oh, good. Clearly. 
Um, very, I, uh, very bold. It's a very bold statement. We record a podcast? I mean, we're doing it right now in this moment. Oh, right, not, right, right. It wasn't like the royal we, because clearly I have not been, I am sir not appearing in this podcast. I wish I had the numbers to go like, your last appearance. <laughs> Please don't talk about okay. it. Okay. Um, but the royal we. Yes. Uh, but we in this moment are recording a podcast and that we paused our podcast to take a commercial break, which is also us. So if you weren't sick of hearing us talk, you're going to hear it talk some more. But I just thought that was funny that we, like, cut to go, like, oh, now a word from our sponsors. But just kidding, it's, it's also, also us. us. Yes. So, like, well, you just get nothing but us tonight. So maybe there's music playing under that missing ad. You don't me, know. You know, you're going to get your Just tell. replay that. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so it's my turn at the plate here for uh, another round of Fuck You, It's a Good Movie. Mm-hmm. And so interesting the uh the correlations that kind of just come out i was gonna say the uh the renaissance i feel like is well not only, not only that though but there's there's a surprising amount of connections between our okay, two films okay. so um i went a little older luna's was 2011 mm-hmm. mine was in 1985 mm-hmm. uh no surprise there it has an 18 percent on rotten tomatoes seriously Youch. that is such an insult uh it made seven million dollars on a three million dollar budget which is not Terrible. Okay. Hey, at least not it made its money amazed, back. but at least it made its money back. I'm of course talking about Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Love this fucking movie. horror comedy. Incredible. How does that only happen? So here's so the thing. Offended. This movie already starts off rough. Yeah. Because the making of this film, this film was financed by the Dow Chemical Company. Ooh. Oh, Jesus. As basically a money laundering scheme. Spicy. They had frozen assets that they couldn't use for like CEOs or whatever. So they go, okay, we need to spend $3 million where the company is located, which was Yugoslavia. How do we spend $3 million in Yugoslavia? We make a movie. So. That's insane. That's why every non-american actor in this movie mm-hmm. is like czechoslovakian and like doesn't know any english oh. like even the little girl that's in the movie yeah. doesn't speak a lick of english she had to recite her lines phonetically oh my gosh uh, okay. so this film is written and directed by uh rudy de luca who is a like disciple of mel brooks oh Okay, that makes a lot um, of sense. Rudy directed uh, History of the World Part 1, oh, okay. which didn't know that was a thing. I only knew Part 2 directed by Mel Brooks, so mm-hmm. I need to see what the first one is. Yeah, I thought it was a gimmick that it was Part yeah. 2, but there was no Part 1. Apparently it was Part 1. <laughs> um, so anyway, written and directed by Rudy. Mm-hmm. It stars uh, very young Jeff Goldblum, Ed Begley Jr., mm-hmm. uh, Gina Davis, hot oh, as hell. So good. Here, um, yeah, I'm actually going to pull up... Um, Carol Kane, uh, pre-N-word rant Michael Richards. Who? Uh, Kramer. Oh, um, okay. Also, the Wolfman, played by Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. But you never see his face. Yeah, you don't know. So I was like, what the hell? But yeah, definitely Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Nice. Um, so, similarly mm-hmm. to your conundrum, mm-hmm. this movie similar to uh, Drive Angry, a paycheck film for these actors. Obviously. Also, some problematic elements. Obviously, Michael Richards, like yeah. I said, Kramer with the, N- the N-word rant, not right. good. But even more so, Jeffrey Jones plays the mayor, Jeffrey Jones, serving time for, child- for possession of child pornography. No. 
So Lydia's dad, yikes Um Oh, yeah, but I mean... I don't know how you're going to finish that sentence. Um, so the basic uh, story of the movie. Sorry, I'm still didn't cancel the shit. I just really like his movies. It um, makes me sad. The, the basic synopsis of the movie is uh, Jeff Goldblum and Ed Begley Jr. play tabloid writers. And they're sent on sort of like a final assignment that they're going to be shipped off to Transylvania and they have to go find Frankenstein's monster. And if they don't, then they're fired. And uh, which seems like a which seems like saying you're fired but with homework. Like Yeah. Clearly we don't want you to succeed here because we're going to send you on this wild goose chase. Right. And if you don't get it, you're fired. Like that it's you're fired with extra steps. So they arrive to Transylvania expecting it's going to be like Universal Monsters Transylvania and it's like a little Czechoslovakian town mm-hmm. it, you know and so they're trying to become sort of the Amity Island from Jaws like they're trying to be like a tourist destination so they're like oh you can sleep in this castle as a hotel and oh it's all spooky and gimmicky and mm-hmm. that kind of shit but the whole point is like there's no actual monsters those are all just stories yada 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 and as they dig deeper they find that there may in fact actually be monsters afoot and that there is a deeper conspiracy that unravels the town. And also real, real dumb. A lot of slapstick, a lot of very silly elements to it. Which normally isn't my favorite. Like, I'm not a huge slapsticky kind of gal. But this movie's really funny. Well, you've got really young Michael, like UHF young Michael Richards, Mm -hmm. Kramer just doing the the physical humor, the really weird humor. Yeah. He's got like a puppet at one point. There's a scene when like they hear a creepy like creaking behind a door and they whip open the door <laughs> and he's on like a tiny little rocket ship that you would find in front of a grocery store. He like stick a quarter. Yeah, he's, he's just like riding it. He's just like, hey, what's up? And they're like, get the fuck out of here. Like uh, Jeff Goldblum is amazing in it because he's oh, super he's young. Gorgeous, but super young, and plays it probably like he felt in real life. I am way too good to be a part of this. Yeah. He's smarter than everybody else. He's just like, oh god, like it's it's a lot of eye rolling and a lot of like, this is what stupid that I'm a part of this. Yeah. And it's so funny. He makes an excellent straight man, and I mm-hmm. wish he could have been in other great comedies like this, just mm-hmm. because he plays an awesome foil of just like, ugh, I have no interest in what's going this on. And yeah. Bagley Junior is very good, very heartfelt. He's so um, very silly. Um, tons of really goofy characters and a lot of really silly moments. However, similar to Drive Angry, I read uh, one line that somebody called this the anti-Young Frankenstein because it's like a horror comedy that's satirizing classic horror literature, but it does it wrong, and Young Frankenstein does it right. And to go along with your Roger Ebert quote... Mm-hmm. I have one from Leonard Moulton on Entertainment Tonight. One of the shortest reviews he ever gave. It stinks. He just, literally the fucking thing was, oh, Transylvania 6 5000 stinks. Seriously? I'm Leonard Moulton. This is Entertainment Tonight. I was making a joke. That was the real quote. I was doing the Mystery Science Theater. It stinks. No, that was the real quote. Oh, my God. He named the movie, said, stinks. 
I'm Leonard Moulton. This is Entertainment Tonight. Clearly Leonard did not finish the film because this is one of the like most clever and adorable like endings. It it I think part of the people missing the point is this is not built like I said, it's got a lot working against it. Yeah. You're in Yugoslavia. You've only got $3 million to make yeah, and this, this movie. This movie wasn't made because somebody had a dream. No. This movie was made because, oh, we got to burn some cash. Exactly. So it's it's already coming up a, a, a an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. But I don't look at this movie like Young Frankenstein or, you know, these other comedies of mm-hmm. its time, Caddyshack, things like that. I think of this as like a farce that would be on stage. Oh, absolutely. Because the, the, the stakes this get would be super so high. cute as a stage play. Yes. But the stakes get so high and it's mm-hmm. so impossible and it's like, how are they ever going to get this figured out? Yeah. And then in the last three minutes, everything is explained and resolved yeah. and yeah, everyone wins and everyone goes home happy. Um, very quotable. Oh, absolutely. Ugh. And the theme song, catchy as hell. Very catchy theme song. So catchy. Uh, the Glenn Miller uh, uh, homage of Transylvania 65000. But uh, Ed Begley Jr.'s father, who owns the paper in the beginning, Ugh. greatest line in cinema of... Jeff Goldblum saying, this is all, all these tabloid things, these are all crap. And he's like, yeah, I love that. I need crap. So look at this. Crap, crap, crap. Crap, 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 crap. All crap. I want crap. Like, that's, A, we've met promoters that are Let's exactly see. like How that. very self-aware. Yes. But also hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're trying to get into a, they're trying to gather information and they need to get into an insane asylum. And so. They couldn't get in. And right. so they've got it. So Ed Begley Jr. grabs a robe. Yeah, grabs a a patient robe. They put the robe on him. And then Jeff Goldblum just goes, oh, man, trying to get out. Man, trying to get out. Yeah, so Ed Begley's trying to climb over the fence. And he's like, how am I going to slip past him? And Jeff Goldblum's like, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. So Ed Begley is like struggling. He can't even get over the goddamn fence. Yeah. And so then Jeff Goldblum goes over and goes, man, trying to get out, man, trying to get out. And the guards go and grab Ed Begley Jr. and drag him in. Hoist you asshole, in. what are you doing? Yeah, you get and in there. So and then it's like he got exactly what Ed he wanted. Ed Begley figures out his shit. And then he's like, well, how am I going to get out of here? How am I going to escape? And so Begley Take Jr. Off takes the off the robe and he starts to try to climb back over. And Jeff Goldblum goes, man, trying to get in, man, trying to get in. And security guards <laughs> go, get the hell out of here, you riffraff. Genius. Genius. <laughs> it's so effective. Very funny. And so here's the thing. Like we said with Drive Angry, you know, hey, you know, you you let these, uh, like, crank and shoot them up and these unbelievable action, ridiculous extravaganzas exist, but Drive Angry yeah, is like accepted. Yeah, they get a pass Well, guess what? This. If fucking Naked Gun can exist oh and God, all these other slapsticky, yeah. goofy movies can exist and you shit on Transylvania no fuck you they're all the same level of this is a very silly stupid thing yeah no absolutely if you let every airplane kind of hockey bullshit right. slide then like fuck you this is this is, is along tier. those same lines uh now you talked about uh certain characters in uh drive angry yes. being uh getting a lot of thirst for them because they are a mighty uh spicy yes um it's a spicy meat the bowl in her prime, like, we're talking, this is an 85, Beetlejuice is 88. Yeah. Prime cut USDA Gina Davis <laughs> in basically an Elvira costume. Yeah. Like, just titties out. Absolutely. For like, the whole movie. 
That's worth the price of admission. No, that's like Oscar. Hot as hell. Yeah. Hot as hell. Academy Award, Oscar, fucking Golden Globes. I don't even know if it's applicable. Tony's. Golden Globes are very applicable here for them tibbies. Like awards that shouldn't even be applied should be given to her because like, oh, wow. Just, and she's funny. And like I said, just the whole, it's one of those, again, like a stage play. It's a big ensemble piece. It's a lot of great moments. It's really wholesome. It is. They, they're. You have what? You've got Gina Davis with a very low cut dress. You've got um the 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 fortune teller's husband mm-hmm. quote unquote transforming into a wolf yeah. uh in the bushes. But Well no, I don't even mean otherwise, like, contextually like you could watch it with your kids. Right. I mean like even the characters, like everybody's got like really good intentions and they're all trying. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. Character-wise, not yeah. necessarily actor-wise, because obviously Jeff Goldblum had better places to be. You absolutely did. But, like, just a really wholesome idea of, like, yeah, you know, like, they're doing it. Like, good for them. Like, Well, uh, so you've cute. got uh, John uh, John Biner and, and Carol Kane as uh, Radu and Loopy, the, like, the help mm-hmm. of the castle. There, has, there are some parts so that are good. so funny of them just doing, like, kind of couple shtick, um... Yeah, and it's just a really interesting sort of idea of, like, how do you make, you know, classic monsters funny? Like, how do you kind of write write around that? Yeah. Um, And sort of toying with the idea of, like, the perception of things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, very silly. Um, And again, it's just fucking fun. And I feel like people lose that when you're looking at something critically like that, where it's like, Oh, this fucking this is stupid and it's sh- like stocky and yeah, and which it is. It's very cheesy and schlocky. Sure, but like, I'm not watching this to fucking watch Citizen Kane. Like, if I right. wanted to watch a classic film, I would watch a film. Right. This is fun. This is right. if it's on fucking harmless Pluto, fun Roku channel, I'm right. gonna sit and watch it and giggle my ass off because it's funny. Oh, it's absolutely on that list of if you walk out of the the yeah. shower with a towel on. You'll sit on the edge of the bed and watch that movie to completion mm-hmm. in my book. Like, it's, uh, like I said. Um, and you will reach completion, thanks right, to yeah, Jesus. Um, Filthy, I'm so sorry. I don't get to talk to people much. No, you're very closed off from the world. Yeah. Um, but no, great character performances. Very, very funny. Some of the dialogue is super quick. Very snappy. Super yeah. funny. Um, some of the creature effects are pretty decent. Yeah. Like, the Frankenstein monster's okay. Um, the Wolfman, I didn't even know it was Ogre from Revenge yeah. of the Nerds, so that's pretty good. Um, like I said, just the big explanation at the end, very farcical. So good. Yeah, and that's absolutely it. And as soon as you said, like, very stage play-esque, I was like, I'm amazed somebody hasn't adapted it. I mean, I'll have to Google it. But if they haven't, somebody should, because this would be adorable as a play. Right, because, yeah, and, you know, Ed Bagley Jr., being seemingly attacked by Gina Davis and no one believes him that there's a vampire woman running around trying to like bite his neck. Um, just a lot of really goofy stuff. Jeff John, you know, Jeffrey Jones is very funny for his mayor portrayal. He's very skeezy. Yeah. That's why I'm sad. He's such a good actor. Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't play it like the principal in Ferris Bueller either. Like he plays it as, an insultingly foreign person. <laughs> like, for, for all the American actors, it is very, like, imagine if it was like, well, we're in Yugoslavia. How do you do that accent? I don't know. Just be Borat. It's fine. Like, that's kind of, 
everybody except for, you know, a small handful of characters. It's just be Borat. It's fine. It's basically. Yeah. Um, shrug it close enough. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, the story is, is fine for what it is mm-hmm. i i've read a lot of reviews where people are like poo-pooing all over the, the script and stuff it's like i don't know man like i said for when as soon as you find out this was basically a money laundering scheme yeah. that's a big grain of salt to be taking a film with like mm-hmm. okay nobody had like the artistic awakening that they needed to make this movie exactly this we was, weren't here on like this is a paycheck quest. thing yeah but that being said it does something surprising which is actually be pretty entertaining yeah um, it does a lot of good callbacks to, you know, the Universal Monster, you know, references and, and things like that. Um, now I'm going to ask you, what would you double feature this with? Oh, good question. Um, I would want to go with something that's like also like kind of silly and schlocky. Um, also as a side note, as I'm buying myself time, mm-hmm. uh, they finally released like a 4K Blu-ray of this last year. It had never been on Blu-ray at oh. all, and so now I want to go for it. Yeah, it's like fucking um, Walmart. Yeah, um, it would actually be you know it would be really good with um, it would be really good with like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I was gonna say Abbott and Costello, and again like that's not usually not your favorite. bag, but that would be a really good double feature. Yeah, same very like, similar feel because I was gonna wholesome say silliness. Of the, like, Mel Brooks likenesses. I was like, you could pull Young Frankenstein. You absolutely could. You know, but I feel like that would be like, oh, but it's not Young Frankenstein. But again, it's not trying to be. Like, right. But that, that's that been a lot of people's thing. It's like, oh, it, when you watch this, it makes Young Frankenstein look even better. And it's like, I don't know. Okay, first of all, Young Frankenstein's amazing. Second and also, all, that wasn't Mel Brooks' baby. That was yeah. Gene Wilder's baby. So it's like we're comparing two different writers here. Exactly. Um, like, even if you're doing a Mel Brooks impression, like, Young yeah. Frankenstein wasn't really Mel Brooks. Like, yeah. Or it wasn't as heavily Mel Brooks. Right. Um, Gene was like, go fuck yourself. Right, Gene was not okay. A little bit of a control issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that would be amazing, would be Young Frankenstein and, and Trends of 86 5000. You watch, watch Trends of 86 5000 first, and yeah. then why, don't follow up Young Frankenstein, which is, I would say, arguably one of the greatest comedies ever written. Oh, absolutely. Don't follow that up with, uh, well, don't follow we gotta spend, we gotta spend three mil somehow. Don't, don't yeah. follow that up. Um, but yeah, just prime. I love seeing every time I see Jeff Goldblum in a super early point of his career. Mm-hmm. Like I do, like a little happy dance. Yeah, even when it's something that's super not okay. Like when he's like head gang member rapist in like Death Wish Two, but he's like eighteen, and you're like, "Oh, Jeff, what are you doing?" Like, why do you have a boner for young Jeff Goldblum? Because. You see him now, and you see how much he is like a he's like a Christopher Walken level caricature of a oh, person that's true. now. Yeah, he's come full circle. Yeah, and now it's just beloved across the board. Mm-hmm. And I always think of him in like Jurassic Park and The Fly, like these very the emotional, fly. very Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, there you go. Come back in the fly. Um. So to see him. Not be that like not given that air of seriousness of like oh it's Jeff Goldblum it's and yeah. it's just like I don't know man it's Jeffy Golds and he's here and he's got a dumb phone in his hand and he's rolling his eyes at Ed Begley Jr. Yes, that's awesome. 
Now, do I like Earth Girls Are Easy, which was also around the same time, mm. that also has Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis in it? No. That movie. Now, why weren't they, like, the power couple for movies? You know what I mean? Oh, my like, God. That I need that awesome. to be a that bigger thing. Awesome. Yeah, like, if I could go back and just call somebody and go, hey, by the way, keep this The fly worked. This is the magic. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. Gina Davis could get it. Love Gina Davis. She's still a goddess even to this day, but just like Absolutely. prime 80s Gina Davis in like every single movie that was made. Mm-hmm. Top uh, notch. Amazing. Amazing. Um, any any final thoughts on, on Trench of Feet 65,000? Uh, it could. Is there a particular moment that sticks out to you? Right, let's let's round this back out. Let's mm-hmm. go. What's your favorite moment in Drive Angry? What's your favorite mm-hmm. moment in Trench of Feet 65,000? Ooh, that's a toughie. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I have a lot of great moments for Drive Angry, but yes. I feel like I would be remiss if I did. I did if I did not say the fucking and shooting scene. That's pretty because great. nothing can top that. That's pretty fantastic. Like, I love all of the accountant's dialogue. I love you know when he gets the shot in the leg and that that is fucked, and then he like tortures him he with pokes it. Him, like, yeah. oh, it's gross, but like, oh, it's so effective. And like, what a great scene. And you know, at the end, like, just. The movie, start to finish, has great, great moments. But, like, I don't know if you can top that. No, it's pretty Like, they do the big jump in the car, whatever, that's awesome. But, like, oh, it's so funny. Like, it's so good and so, like, over the top that I just can't, like... And, again, that's that idea of, like, that peak exploitation. Like, like this is what we came here for. Exactly. It's supposed to be excessive. And, like, it's so over the top. And it's so... In in the best of ways. Um, So I feel like I'm morally obligated to say that. because. fair. It I would, doesn't get any better. I would say probably the accountant's uh, arrival is probably mm-hmm. my favorite moment. Like when we first get introduced to him in Drive Angry. Uh, what about Transfer 6000? Well, like, as we're talking about it, I'm like, I just fucking need to watch this movie again. Like, yes, yes, you do! That's the whole point of this show. <laughs> That's good. Um, I mean, like, the crap scene is good. I just love Jeff Goldblum's lines. Like, well, like I said. Just the best part. It's just the man trying to get in, man trying to get Well, in. I was going to say, like, one of my favorite moments is so not... Silly particularly like zany at all but there's a scene when jeff goldblum was on the phone with a woman he's trying to like get to go on a date with him and head begley jr is trying desperately to like get in the room to talk with jeff because he saw a monster or whatever <laughs> and so begley tries to bust in and jeff's like holds up he's like wait you just barge into people's rooms and he's like I don't know. I thought we were like a partner. And he's like, you should knock. And he's like, oh, we're knocking now. Fine. So then he shuts the door and he knocks and Jeff Goldblum walks away and he keeps knocking. And then he busts in there. He's like, you're supposed to say, who's that? And so he like shuts the door again. And Jeff Goldblum goes, I'm so sorry. I was interrupted by a wind. (laughs) And I think that's the funniest line. And like his delivery is so good. Because you're like, did he just come up with that? It seems like it. It really seems like it. And and when you find out like how this movie was made, that uh, there's a big, anytime there's a really funny movie, that's always the number one question. Yeah, like, was how much was improv? Because yeah. people always ask that about The Big Lebowski. Yeah. And, and they, none they, of it. None of it. It was all written exactly. We delivered it exactly how it was written. Um, Is this your homework there? But in this case, I don't know. Nobody has that thing other than the the prep scene with uh, Radu and, and Lupi mm. was all improv. But, oh, okay. Um, but it's one of those things where you're watching, you're like, I, it could all be improv. I feel as far like as I that know. was just you were, you were yeah. too busy getting Czech, Czechoslovakian people to like, okay, just stand here for yeah, the scene. We weren't paying that close attention to yeah. the script. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, the I I was interrupted by a wind is like probably one of my favorite moments in that movie. That's very for not being like a particularly zany line, that's very very funny to me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are the movies we're defending. Uh, on this date, uh, please feel free to respond with your own uh, arguments for or against these films. Uh, any suggestions for future? Fuck you, it's a good movies. We were, we were always open to that. Yeah, we will um, review. Definitely uh, subscribe. If this is the first time you're listening I'm so to this sorry. podcast, what a weird episode to start with. <laughs> but uh, we're glad I mean, you're thanks, here. Thanks, but I'm We're so glad hurt, you're here. Yeah. Um, and so we'll be back to talking with amazing individuals in and around the world of wrestling uh, soon. I do have to put a plug in that uh, we at the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network have... The royal we. Have, uh, the, the proper royal we. Uh-huh. Have... Uh, put together, we are we. You can thank all of us now. We oh. have uh, funded on IWTV. Uh, no easy way out. Anthony Henry's final independent wrestling match against Nolan Edward. We have put the money forth to make that happen. You can send us your blessings and your thank yous anytime. We will accept flowers, yes. chocolates, monetary donations. Yes, there's no. Uh, no compliment is too big. No, no fee, fee is, is too, too big. big. Uh, so you can thank us all for that. And so... Uh, so I think that's just about it. So uh, until next time, everybody, I'm Sticky Steamboat. <laughs> I'm Griffith Kit. And as we always say around these parts, deuces! Hope I don't poop today. Hercules Mulligan! A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners you. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.